It is Wednesday, June 8, 2022. That means it is a Blitz Wednesday, June 8, 2022. Uh, we are not going to have a whole lot of time for introductory comments today. I apologize. You're not going to get the usual uh, self-gratifying uh, requests for questions on the Q&A and other topics at the roundtable, et cetera, yada, 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 because we do have the Blitz waiting. So without a whole lot more fanfare, we're going right to the Blitz. Here we go. All right, Steve Palmer joins us live. How you doing, Steve? Hey, doing great. How you guys doing? Hey, doing okay, man. Doing pretty good. So uh, let me ask you a question. When it comes to fraud, uh, one of these reality show TV families, the Crisleys, were accused of wire fraud. Basically, the guy, uh, he had somebody else set up a fake bank account and say that they had $4 million in there. And then he went and took out uh, excess loans up to like $30 million and all on an account that was fake at a bank that he didn't even have a real account at. And they're saying in the media that he's going to get like 30 years in prison. Like how often does that happen on first time uh, offenders to get something uh, like that, like a 30 year sentence, uh, number one. And do you think that there's a chance that he won't serve any time at all? Uh, well, yeah, the, the two parts to your question. First, how often do people really get something like 30 years in prison? Not very often. I don't think that, uh, you know, while it may be a possible sentence, I don't think it's a likely sentence. And uh, is there a chance of probation or not go to prison? Uh, I think there probably is. I, I was just reading about this case uh, a little bit this morning. And, you know, I don't know all the nuances and details, but in federal court, sentencing is done at least instructed by the United States Sentencing Guidelines, which usually take people's backgrounds, take people's character, take people's uh, prior records and uh, the nature of the offense, how much money was lost and the, and really what the consequences were. And, uh, you know, they put it into some algorithm or formula and spit out a proposed sentence. And I, my guess here is that sentence is something significantly less than 30 years in prison. Um, and, you know, also, uh, can I, can I add this, that him working in his television shows, which he's probably going to say, right, will make him more money to be able to pay the IRS back. Versus being in jail, he can't make them any money back. Yeah, but you know, everybody's got that argument in any financial okay. crime case. You know, everybody could say, well, isn't it much better if I just go back to work? Don't they just really want my money? Well, they want your money, but they also want their pound of flesh. They want, the, you know, this, the justice system is about multiple things, and one of them is punishment and uh, deterrence for others to commit the same crimes. Now, we could debate okay. about whether there's actually a deterrent by this guy going to prison. But, uh, you know, certainly it's true that if he just did his TV show for a couple more years, he could pay back what he owes. But uh, it's not uh, it won't be the only thing that matters. And, you know, the other thing that's going to matter um, directly and, and I think uh, sort of in lurking in the background is the fact that they didn't accept full responsibility for what they did. It looks like they denied it. They went to trial. The government had to prove it. And like it or not, sometimes that results in um, a little bit of a harsher outcome of a sentence than if agree, somebody falls on the sword. Yeah. If, if Aunt Becky went to jail for photoshopping her daughters in a kayak, I definitely think Chris Lee will be going to jail. Uh, I agree. I think there'll be some jail here. I, I don't think it'll be 30 years, but I think that there will be some jail. And, you know, look at Martha Stewart and some of these other financial crimes. Oh, yes, call. I forgot. Yeah, call. She's so good. I forgot she ever went to jail. Yeah. Yeah. Now no, she didn't. <laughs> and I will say this. It's I don't know the facts of the case all that well. And I and apparently they set up some fake bank accounts and uh, and did things. There's always there's always the the motive behind it, I think, that matters from a sentencing standpoint, if not nece not necessarily the legal statutes. So why somebody did it, if you did those crimes in order to fund a terrorist operation, it's going to be a lot worse. And if you did those crimes right. because you were just stupid. Um 
and you know, I don't think they're terrorists. So, and I don't know if they're stupid. Hopefully, <laughs> there's something in between there. But uh, I, I think I think they are kind of stupid in, in the way that I think it's this is the effect of the reality show. You know, like you can have success with it with certain people, and and not everybody's going to go crazy and off the, off the hinges. But you put somebody on television for a significant amount of time, all the all the focus is on them, all of you know this pressure of living this lavish lifestyle. And of course, they're going to do something eventually that's illegal. I he think, was flying you know? to L.A. twice a month to get his hair cut because he didn't he, he wanted this special person <laughs> to do it. So he was spending so much money. It's just crazy. Yeah, that's insane. I have a pair of clippers he could have borrowed. I would, he could have cut right. his hair for free. But it's funny, like when you look back at some of these crimes, and I'm sure you've seen a million of these cases, Steve, like where just if you zigged when you should have when you could have zagged, you know what I'm saying? Like if you just did a zig instead of a zag, you might not be in this much trouble. But then you went down the road of complete bank fraud and just lucid wire fraud. And apparently the guy that was defrauding the bank on his behalf was his uh, undercover gay lover. So in underneath all of this there's probably a divorce to be had too all right the plot thickens yeah you know yeah. there's there's always uh no matter what we do you can't shake human nature right we we all suffer from uh from that to some degree and the greed and the ego and all the other motivators that think that you deserve to fly to la to get your hair cut uh somehow become <laughs> rationalized all right we go to libby on line one here libby hi hey it's loper and randy you're on with steve palmer go ahead hi What's your question? Hi. Um, yes, my question is this. Um, I, um, a couple of years back, had um, a wreck where I had, um, you know, totaled my car. And um, when I had the wreck, I was driving with my license. But then I got um, told a letter later, you know, saying that I wasn't, that I, you know, my license were uh, suspended. And I had already gone downtown and paid all that and gone and to the DMV. You know, they had given me the papers to go to the DMV. The DMV, you know, uh, they, um, the reinstatement thing. And all that was done before any of that had happened. And yep. so then that happened and my license was suspended. And uh, so then I don't know why because, you know, like I said, everything had been paid. So then you know, they, you know, I lost my license, and then here, um, a little, uh, how long ago, that was not very long ago, I, a few days ago, you know, I found out, because they had, um, I didn't uh, get down to court, and they had a warrant against me, and then I was talking to um, uh, some police officers here just the other day, and they said that um, all of that was, you know, gone, that there was no warrant or anything, so apparently that had been uh, removed or whatever. And so my question is this, then how do I go about getting my license back? I mean, because I don't understand why, you know, it shouldn't have happened in the first place because I was driving with driver's license. I had, you know, paid that. All right. Let me give you, here's, here's what you do. Uh, you can go to the Bureau of Motor Vehicles website. And, uh, if you poke around there enough, you're going to see that there's the, that you have a means to enter your name, and some identifying information, and they will give you what is wrong with your license. They will tell you what you need to do. Now, you may not agree with all these things, and it may not, it very well may be not accurate. 
but at least you'll know why they think that you're under suspension, and then you can start hacking through the problem. If you have an accident, there's a couple reasons that would come to mind why your license might get suspended unwitting to you. One would be if at the time of the accident uh, you either didn't have it or didn't show that you had insurance. Another would be somebody sued you and took a judgment against you, and uh, somehow the judgment uh, didn't get satisfied or somebody thinks the judgment didn't get satisfied. That would be called a security suspension. Um, or maybe right. you um, missed a court date. I was at an accident by myself, so nobody else was involved. I got you. You may have missed a court date, and that could result, it could be completely unrelated. You miss a court date, and that results in a suspension. Uh, so there's just a number of things that can happen. And uh, what I would do but is I would start what with... What did she hit? What did she hit? You were in an accident by yourself? Yeah, I, I went off the road and, you know, ran into a tree. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, a tree. That's mm. So, it was, Yeah. Yeah, so without digging into it further, I couldn't really give you the definitive answer, but I, I think I can give you the means to find the answer. Start with the Bureau of Motor Vehicles website, and then I would look up in the court, in the county court, municipal court, where the thing happened and uh, see if there's any open cases for you. And uh, from there, you can start unraveling the problem. If you want my help, I'm, I'm happy to do it. 614-224-6142. All right, we go to the text machine for our next question for Steve Palmer. If you have one eight two one. 9970. We now have one open line. All right. Mike comes in from Canal Winchester. He wants to know about the gun laws and the new gun laws pertaining to his rifle. Can he keep it in the back window of the trucks? Oh, with the new open carry. Uh, the answer to that is I'm not positive, but I don't think you can. I, the open carry, or it's not open carry, it's constitutional carry. And I think the rules for constitutional carry mimic those that were in place for are licenses to carry a concealed handgun, and it, that's what it was, a license to carry, carry a concealed handgun. Um, and that means that now we can you don't need to go through the rigmarole and get a license and do all the other stuff to carry a concealed handgun, but you still have to follow the rules that were in place short of that. Now, putting a rifle in your back uh, window uh, may or may not be considered improper handling of a firearm in a motor vehicle. It certainly could never be loaded, I don't believe. But uh, I would have to dig into this and research it, and I, I, I wouldn't want to give you my gut advice over the radio and then be wrong. So my my initial reaction is, let's not test that until we look it up. And if you want me to help you figuring out the, the real answer, I can do that, 614-224-6142. Yeah. Do you guys remember back in the day, like, that was a really, that was a like commonplace Oh, it's so common. I mean, I, I grew up in the South and like they, I mean, I definitely trucks, saw some people rocking guns in the back window. I thought trucks came with it. Not okay. the gun, but just the racks. Well, yeah. What? Yeah. I swear to God, I, I saw them in the back of the Me too, I always saw. Yeah, yeah. You thought it came with the truck? Oh, I didn't think that. I did. I thought right. the Everybody rack, had them. The rack came with it and you chose if what guns you wanted to put into yeah, it. Yeah, maybe just a dealer option. All right, let's go to line two here. By the way, 821-9970. Blitz line's open right now and also on text at 99700. Here's Nick. Nick, what's your question for Steve Palmer? Hey, guys. uh, I also had a gun-related question. Um, With the new constitutional carry that was coming out and, like, what that had to do with um, if somebody wanted to go get their medical marijuana license. Yeah. So yeah, before you couldn't have uh, the concealed weapons permit and a weed yeah. license at the same time, right, Steve? Yeah, that's correct. And it, I'm stumped. I don't know. I don't know how that uh, whether that's addressed in the new law or not. Um, it, it okay. it's something. It's a great question, and uh, it's one I'm going to look up and and get to know the answer because it's going to repeat. But it, you're right. It used to be that if you had a license to carry a concealed handgun, you couldn't get your marijuana card. 
and if you got your marijuana card, the license was, uh, I think, considered void. Uh, now with constitutional carry, uh, in, like I said before in the other caller, the, my understanding is the rules are mimicking that that were in place for the former law that required a license to carry a concealed handgun. And whether this one remained, uh, can I carry a concealed handgun and have a marijuana card? If I had to just venture a guess, the answer would be no. Um, but uh, it's certainly something we can look up, and it's certainly something that's worthy of a challenge, I think, constitutionally speaking, because you know the state is providing a benefit on one, and uh, if that uh, runs afoul of a constitutional right on the other, there may be some constitutional argument to be made. It might be an interesting academic uh, research okay, project. And, and plus, plus, let's just go out on the line here and just think about it for a second. Let's just play a what if. What if you were attacked, right, and you had your gun on you, but you also had carpal tunnel? And the only way that you could get in to get your gun and then pull the trigger was to get a little pump of the good stuff. And then you're able, you know, <laughs> your hand works properly. It's like the tin man in the oil scenario, Steve. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, but there's other this rules, too, man. in place. You know, I'm not, allowed, I'm not allowed to possess a firearm when I'm intoxicated. Uh, right. So I can't do that. Uh, and if you're high, I so, so to speak, on marijuana, then it, the same rules would apply that way. So it's not like if you're using it at the time, you're using your firearm, that could be a problem. I, yeah, I would definitely suggest against that. Nick Brogan wanted everyone to know Chevrolet used to offer 12-gauge with their pickup trucks in the 60s. Yeah, no kidding. Tony Cook said, hey, Steve, I have a felony that's 30 years old. It was a nonviolent felony. Am I able to secure a handgun license to carry a gun? Uh, the answer is a big, huge, resounding maybe. Um, we would, uh, I would need to know more about the felony. And even if it, uh, the answer is no on the face of it, we might be able to seal your record of that felony and then get you back in uh, good graces with the uh, handgun gods. So it literally does mimic the way that it was with a concealed weapons permit. So like, if you had any priors, you, you were real suspect if you, you were able to carry a gun or not. Correct. Yeah. And, and just general, yeah, general firearm possession is if, if it's a felony that can put you in prison for uh, more than a year, uh, typically that would be a, an exclusion. And then it gets really nuanced, like certain domestic violence charges uh, would exclude you from uh, firearm rights. Uh, so it's, it's one of those things where I'd have to take it on a case by case basis. All right, 821-9970, 800-821-9970. So we'll get a tune, and we'll come back with Steve Palmer in one more segment after Papa Roach killed the noise. It's Loper and Randy in the morning. All right, it's Loper and Randy back with Steve Palmer, and he's answering your legal questions for the next couple of minutes here. Uh, we'll go to the text line at 99700 for the next question. All right, here it is. I have a hold of my license in Indiana. I've called and given them the case number, social, et cetera, and they have no info on it, but the Ohio BMV won't give me my license because of it. Now I'm at a loss of what to do. So you got a hold in Indiana. You got to fix the hold in Indiana. Whatever that is, that's where it goes. Then you got to get something called, I don't practice in Indiana, but in Ohio, if it were reversed, you would have to get something called a clearance letter. You would have to get a letter from Indiana or something official that says, I'm all good out in Indiana. Deliver that to the Ohio Bureau of Motor Vehicles and you're all set. Sounds simple, right? It's never that simple because we're dealing with the Bureau of Motor Vehicles or whatever the Indiana equivalent of it is. And it just all I can say is perseverance will pay off. Just keep hacking away at it. Um, 
talk, call the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, go there, ask them what you need to do, and try to supply with exactly what they need. You might need to get a lawyer in Indiana to fix whatever problem you have out there and then deliver what you need here. But it's probably solvable. It's just a bit of a headache and actually maybe a big headache, but uh, I'm, it sounds like it's something you can get through. All right. This could be the, I think this is actually the final question here. All right, Jessica, can you get an, um, an OVI misdemeanor expunged after so many years in the state of Ohio? No, no. See, Ohio, in Ohio, we talk about sealing records with very few exceptions. We don't expunge anything and we don't need to go into the differences. But uh, among the things that cannot be sealed are traffic offenses and OVI, DUI related stuff falls under the definition of a traffic offense in Ohio. Now, you would think why it seems pretty severe and serious, etc. But it's all about logic and definitions. If you define it a certain way, then that's what it becomes. And uh, because they've defined it as a traffic violation, it cannot be sealed. And that's because they say you can't seal traffic violations. So uh, you're stuck with it. Now, the, the good news is, is that uh, after so many years, the points fall off, like three years, your, your six points that would go on to your traffic record here in Ohio will fall off. And then depending on how you're charged, the look back period for an OVI to make uh, the new one unenhanced eventually will fall off too, whether it's 10. Sometimes it's life though, and it never falls off. The practical reality is the longer it goes, the less impact it will have moving forward. And if you ever find yourself in that situation, you want to have Steve's number handy. I mean, I'm telling you, if you put it in your phone right now, you won't later be sorry and looking all over the place like, oh, my God, what's the guy from the Blitz? Steve, what's the number they need for their phone? Yeah, not going to argue with that advice. 614-224-6142. All right, Steve Palmer, not just on our show, but does his own show, his own podcast. Check it out for yourself, Lawyer Talk. You can find it on his website at theblitz.com as well and on all other podcasting platforms. Thanks so much, Steve. Good hey, stuff. Thanks, guys. All right, another bullet, uh, blah, blah, blah. All right, another Blitz wrap-up. Uh, good questions, you know, good solid stuff. I think the gun stuff is going to come up more and more, so we'll keep an eye on that. I'll probably get Derek DeBras in here, and uh, there might be more coming with Derek DeBras anyway. Uh, hint, hint, there might be a show coming on guns and gun-related stuff with Derek here right at Channel 511, so stay tuned for that. But short of that, uh, I think it's probably worthy of having Derek come in and talk to us about the constitutional carry uh, ramifications and uh, I think there's lots of good questions coming on that. My advice is if you don't need to carry a gun, don't carry a gun. If you think you need to carry a gun, make sure you're doing it correctly. Um, that might be that might sound oversimplified, but it, trust me on this. Carrying a gun is a responsibility. It's a responsibility uh, that you may or may not want to burden. And I always ask people, what happens if you have to use it? Um, and you know that's sort of a flip question, but I mean it that way too. What happens if you actually have to use it and you have to take somebody's life, you have to brandish it, you have to um, uh, do whatever you would normally have to do to defend yourself or others with a gun uh, and say the worst happens, you have to kill yourself. How are you going to feel about it and are you going to be cool with trying to defend yourself in a uh, homicide case if that is necessary? And I, look, I'm not, I'm not criticizing those who want to carry guns. I'm not discouraging it. I'm only pointing out the reality. Listen to our show last week. Um, where we talked a lot about some of the responsibilities of carrying guns. And I would highly encourage everybody who is looking at this constitutional carry as a, uh, as a windfall, so to speak. Like, I get to go have my gun whenever I want now. It's awesome. Go get some training. Um, get some tactical training. Get some basic training. Start with the lowest of the lowest training and work your way up. I don't care if you've used a gun your whole life. The more training you have, uh, the more likely you are going to be able to use it effectively, safely, and legally if and when the time comes. And I'll tell you a quick story before I wrap this up. I have a very close friend of mine who went into the military back in college, and uh, when they were taking uh, their riflemanship 
if that's the right word for it, uh, marksmanship. Uh, my buddy had never shot a gun before, and he listened exactly to what the instructors were telling him and followed all the rules. Next to him was a guy who had shot a gun his entire life. He'd been shooting uh, the, the eye out of a chipmunk at 200 yards, so those, one of those types of guys. And uh, by the end of the first day, my buddy was shooting better than everybody else because he came in without preconceived notions of how to shoot properly. Everybody else brought their bad habits or those who experienced weapons before brought their bad habits. My point, you may have some bad habits and some of these professionals might be able to fix you right up. Uh, It's like anything else from a, my son and I just went and did a performance driving course up at Mid-Ohio. I learned all sorts of things and all sorts of bad habits that I'm now going to have to break. So uh, be safe out there if you decide to carry a gun. I think it's awesome. It's our constitutional right, just like anything else in a democracy where we have these awesome uh, God-given constitutional rights. Uh, make sure you're responsible about it. Make sure you do your part because it only works if you do your part. Anyway, that's my uh, take on it, at least for now. Uh, this has been Lawyer Talk Q&A with the Blitz. And, and as, as usual, we have lots more coming. we got a roundtable waiting in the wings here shortly uh, and we'll drop both of those episodes uh, this week or next and uh, if you want your own podcast as always channel511.com uh, you can uh, check us out get you we'll get you launched if you got a question you want me to cover here at lawyer talk q a uh, go to lawyertalkpodcast.com submit a question i got one waiting for me and i'm going to answer it uh, yet this week and we'll get that dropped so lots of great stuff happening we appreciate everybody's participation in the q a and, and and everybody who's just listening it's awesome uh this has been lawyer talk with the blitz off the record on the air at least until now